Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We had a great online service this morning. If you haven't uh, had a chance to see our online service, please take the opportunity to do that. Last week I preached uh, what I felt was an important message about making sense in a senseless world. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, um, please take the opportunity. I'm going to tell you some of the opportunities you have. You can watch on Facebook Live. If you're on Facebook, please go to our Facebook page, Hope Assembly of God, and like that page. Then when there's ever an update, it'll pop up and you can see it. Even when our service goes live, it'll pop up and you can be a part of that service. It's very, very simple uh, to do. But it keeps those sermons. There's a shorter version of the on-site sermon uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, We also have a podcast available that we're developing. Uh, Whatever you use to listen to podcasts, you can search Hope Assembly of God, either Malaga or Newfield, and it'll come up. Just look for our logo, probably the H in the hope part, and you can listen to it. Uh, Download it to your smartphone or whatever you do for that. And we have a YouTube channel. Uh, that we would also like you to subscribe to. And again, when you subscribe, uh, when new, uh, new material comes out, you'll get a notification that there's something new there, whether it's a sermon. I'm doing something called Rev's Reactions, where I react to songs. Uh, just something fun, just something hopefully encouraging and a blessing. Uh, Ray Sheets has just started doing uh, Songs of Hope, where he's taking some of the stories and the authors of the great hymns of the church and telling them. I know he's going to be starting the Christmas carols coming up soon. Uh, We record those in the studio. That's on our YouTube channel, plus all of the sermons and everything are there. Please subscribe to that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, keep coming, and uh, you'll be fine. But the the reality is, is, you know, just to have one church, uh, you know, from, say, 10 to 12... Uh, just doesn't work in our society anymore. It actually hasn't worked for a long time. Uh, We need to have more opportunities for people to be part of the church beyond just those two hours, whether it's sickness, work, travel, whatever it is, unable to make it that day. Um, We have so many people that participate in the church still that wouldn't have that opportunity if not for the online. Is online ever going to take the place of on-site? No. It's not a substitute, it's, a, it's a, a supplement. But thank God we had so many people watching this morning that they had that opportunity. Instead of missing church altogether, uh, they participated in it. And we, we have interaction on the, the online service. If you've not seen it, it is different. Uh, it's more think radio show uh, and a little bit of shtick and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of everything. But the message is very, very serious in that we have meme of the week. I have a little song that we do for meme of the week. We have question of the week, all of those things. And here's why we do that. First of all, I started meme of the week during COVID because people were so stressed, uh, myself included. We needed a little laughter. Now I've kept it up because we have people that watch online just to get the meme of the week. They dri- they're driving to church they're here now. I know who they are. I won't call them out. They're here now, but they watched online just for meme of the week. So we did that, and we do question of the day, and here's why we do it, so that we can connect. 
that church here is not just about listening, it's about connection, and church online as well is about connection. So anything I can do, this is the little secret, to get people to respond and type in something, we're connecting with them. We know that there's listening, we know there's connection, we know there's interaction instead of just staring at a dead screen. It also helps uh, with our Facebook algorithms. The more messages, the more connections you make, the better it is for our page. So there's a lot of reasons for it. So listen, if you hate online, then don't listen online. Keep coming on site. But thank God for, uh, thank God that we have all of these opportunities to hear the word of God. That's what it's all about. We took a difficult, by God's grace, a difficult situation through COVID, turned it into a positive that's continuing to grow week in and week out. So anyway, if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's message, there are opportunities for you to do that. I was not planning on preaching this week till Keith Holt called me and said he wasn't going to be there. And uh, so I decided that I, I would preach uh, instead of asking one of our other pastors uh, to do that. Um, because I wanted to continue with this thought of making sense in a senseless world. I think there's more there for us. Now, next week, we're starting our Christmas series, The Signs of Christmas, and we'll be talking about that. But this idea of making sense in a senseless world. I'll mention again briefly that we had a tragedy in our community a couple of weeks back that didn't make sense, and that's what got me thinking about this. So this is part two of that. I concur with this author that said, we live in a broken world of rampant wickedness, full of war, pestilence, and social ills. Consider, for example, that most of us live in countries where wealth and luxury is something we experience every day. We, we live, uh, others live in countries where people live homeless and destitute, even in our own country. We live in a society, though, that's racked by mental illness, substance abuse of all kinds. Do you see there's a pattern there that prosperity does not answer all of our problems? Right? Prosper Is there a more prosperous nation that humanity has ever seen? No. There's never been a more prosperous nation than the United States of America, and yet our problems are innumerable because money doesn't meet all of the needs. See that? You see that, right? Okay. There's a per pervasive malaise of anger. If you've been out and about, you know that. From road rage to people yelling at people for some reason. We were at Pegasus a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember why. Probably just for the glory of God. Um, was that when we were out with the family? When that, that guy yelled at the lady? We were out with people that ordered salad and fake meat uh, to eat, and I, uh, I tried to blank that out of my mind, like, like I put my foot down and said, I'm not going to go there, but it just popped back up again. But that was the most, that was the most memorable. The second most memorable part of it was we go in there, and the, the lady that's the hostess that's waiting on people and getting them seats... I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, this guy starts yelling at her. I'm like, what? Why so angry? You're not ordering fake meat. I mean, that's something to be angry about. 
And so this guy's yelling like right in the middle of everybody. And thank God she, she said, you know, there's no reason to talk to me that way. And then we heard later, because I went and apologized to that lady, even though I didn't have anything to do with it. And it turned out that Dor went and apologized to her uh, as well. And the lady said the guy came back and apologized. And you know why he apologized? Because his wife was with him. That's why. <laughs> but why this anger? Certainly there's a lot of sorrow in our country and in our world, and there's unimaginable hate. Why? Why do we as people created in God's image hate other people? I think that's what Jesus said. Listen, if you don't forgive others, then you're probably not forgiven. You know? Why? Why such hate? Why such hate? We live in a society that has forgotten God. Unknowingly, it's also crying from the heart for a connection with God. See, the absence of God causes hate and anger and, and a sorrow and all of these other things. Jeff Goins goes on to say this, the world is broken and remains that way in spite of our efforts to help us, to help it. This is beautiful in a way because it breaks us of all of our self-dependency in a world that refuses to be healed. Because of that, we must face the fact that we are not the heroes of our stories. And for us as believers, we are not the hero. Whatever we do to help others, we're not the hero. The 80 boxes that we put together for children that wouldn't have a Christmas gift apart from that, we're not the heroes of that story. God is the hero of that story in that he blessed us that we could be a blessing. He's the hero of that story. But it also teaches us to rely on something and, more importantly, someone bigger than ourselves. Because we can't just depend upon ourselves in order to accomplish what only God can accomplish. The government is important, and what the government does is important. Anarchy is bad, okay? The government is important, but the government is not your savior. Jesus is is your savior. We pray for the government. We pray for our leaders, whoever they were. How about that gobble gobble song last week with, with, with Joe Biden and Donald Trump sitting at the same table? That cracked me up more than anything else. But we pray for all of our leaders, whether we're in agreement or disagree with, with them, but we look to God and we point others to Jesus. He's the answer. We live in a broken and a crazy world. We can certainly agree to that. Evil exists, as we established last week, but won't win. We have to keep that in mind. Evil exists and won't, won't win. Last week, we looked at Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. So we love, we hate, and we cling. There's hand motions like old children's songs, even to the sermons. We love, we hate, we cling to that which is good. I'm going to continue with this line of thought today in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Three more steps that we could take to make sense in this senseless world. It's a simple yet very profound breakdown of what we are to do when we're not sure what to do. We face situations, circumstances. We live in a world that's so broken, we don't know what to do. God's word tells us what to do. We rejoice in our confident hope. We're patient in trouble, and we keep on praying. Let's begin with rejoicing. Rejoicing. Rejoy, the root for that is a state of delight. 
and well-being that results from knowing and serving God. That's where joy is different than happiness. Happiness is based on our circumstances. There are a lot of people that are happy when things are going well. But we as believers have something deeper than that. We have joy that goes beyond our circumstances. And then that joy that goes beyond our circumstances, and I'll tell you where that joy is based, it's based on our confident hope. That joy that we have then gives us the strength that we need to live in this broken world. Joy is a fruit of a relationship with God. It's not something that we can create on our own. And David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, he said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He knew that he couldn't muster the joy within himself, that it was a gift from God that was broken because of what he had done. The Bible distinguishes joy also not only from happiness but pleasure. Have you heard of the term hedonism? That means someone that just lives for themselves, they pursue pleasure after pleasure after pleasure. We live in a world like that today in the United States of America. We're a very hedonistic culture in that whatever makes us feel good, that's what we pursue no matter what the consequences are to other people. That's hedonism. That's pursuing pleasure. But hedonism, self-centeredness, never brings joy. That's why when you, after you have everything that you've ever wanted and you're still not satisfied, it's because it's based on what you have and pursuing pleasure instead of pursuing that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you begin to pursue less and less because things just don't matter as much. I say this jokingly, but I say it seriously as well. We had food on Thanksgiving that, that my wife entered the throne room of God and brought it down to our table. That's how good it was. But that wasn't the greatest joy. The greatest joy was having our children home. And I actually could have done without any of the food if my kid, it's true, I know. Some of my salad eaters are looking at me like, what? I could have actually done without the food if the kids would just be home. You know, I, I say that to say just less things are important now. I thank God that, you know, he meets all of our needs exceedingly abundantly. But less things are important now. You know, it becomes more and more important as you get older, relationships, family, friends. And guess where that comes from? Relationship with God because God is relational in his nature. The Trinity is relational. See, part of the image of God is pursuing relationships. See, anyway, let me keep going. Self-centeredness never brings joy. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you picture God as joyful? Sometimes we have the wrong picture of God that he's an angry grandfather sitting in the sky waiting to shoot lightning bolts at us. That's not true. God is joyful. Psalm 104.31, and there's a, a, a lot of scriptures. I just grabbed a couple uh, because of time. May the glory of, God, of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. God is a God of exuberant joy. In fact, I would go and say that he created everything out of his exuberant joy. And the more, uh, I, I don't want to say that God got, God had more joy because God is full of everything. But I think just as he created, there was joy. 
And he created, and there was joy. And he created, and there was joy. Some people think of God as the great killjoy because all you know is the Ten Commandments. You don't know the 1,355,000 other things we can do. You've only been taught what you can't do, and you haven't been taught what you can do. That's so awesome, that's so great, that's so wonderful. Previous generations, and every generation has blind spots, and we have ours. The next generation after us will look at us like we were crazy because we didn't see certain things. That's why it's called a blind spot. But previous generations were a lot more legalistic than we were. My mother growing up wasn't allowed to ride a bike, couldn't go to movie theaters, they couldn't go bowling, they couldn't do any of those things, uh, wear pants. They, they, the women were definitely not allowed to wear pants. My one aunt, her name was Aunt Lil, her and her husband would pick me up for the high school football games every Friday night. And we lived in Ohio, and it was cold. And we had stands back in the day that didn't have, uh, you could fall through. You could fall through, okay? And, and, and my aunt wore a dress to every football game because that's how she was raised. That's not good or bad. It just was what it was. And then the next generation came along, and, and now we think everything is acceptable to God when it's not. There's a balance in there of holiness, and again, the focus was on what you couldn't do. And I look at life now, there are things I don't do just because I want to give glory to God in my life. I don't live my life like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that. No, because I see so many things I can do that the can't do doesn't even become an issue. And when you look at it as what I can do, you don't worry about what you can't do because you want to do what you can. Don't ask me to repeat that. In my mind, that made perfect sense. Hopefully, it came out that way. But God is not a cosmic killjoy. God wants to give us joy, but he understands that you can only have joy through relationship with him, being obedient to his will, uh, his will for your life. God is filled with exuberant joy. Look at Jesus' life. Jesus' life was surrounded by joy. Luke 1.14 the, 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 the story of, of Jesus' incarnation, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. The angel said in Luke 2.10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Jesus said this in John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Was Jesus a man of sorrows? Yes, it says that in uh, Isaiah 53. But Jesus was a man of joy. In fact, he even endured the cross because of the what? Does anybody know it? The joy set before him. And so when we can rejoice in this confident hope, we're reflecting Jesus. You know how I feel about miserable Christians? It's an oxymoron. And sometimes, here we go, I'm going to say it, is because they're moronic. They, they, they miss the joy. And they want others to be as miserable as they are. And I refuse to live my life like that. I refuse to live my life miserable because I'm serving God. 
I don't live my life like that. I live my life filled with joy because I'm serving God. What an opportunity and privilege to think. Look at this. I couldn't speak in public till I was filled with the Holy Spirit. God in his infinite wisdom looked down at some scrawny little kid, which you also can't imagine. And he said, I want you to share the good news with everyone that I give you opportunity to. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. It's a joy. If serving God to you is a burden, you're missing something. I think you've made it about you. Sorry. In fact, I want to I go backwards and say that hopefully the next generation will say nice things about us. They might not. They might look at our blind spots and think we're all crazy. You know what? I'd still do it all over again for the glory of God, whether the next generation realizes it or not. When we have the joy in the middle of the trying times, we're a witness to others of the character of God. Now, joy is not silliness. It's not silliness in the midst of sorrow. It's understanding that God is good and that we have a confident hope. So here's the part B of point one. We have we rejoice in the confident hope. We don't rejoice in the evil. We hate evil. We rejoice in the confident. We rejoice in the confident hope. Now, here's what hope is biblically. Hope is not wishing. I wish things would happen. That's not biblical hope. Sometimes in English we use those words interchangeably. But hope is not wishing. Hope is knowing. It's a confident hope. I'm just as sure that Jesus is coming back again for His church as I am that He died and rose again. That's how sure I am. That's confident hope. Now, the opposite of that is this. When Joseph was younger, and even as he grew older, we loved going to Delsey football games. Um, I think some of you, do some of you live in Williamstown? Anybody here live in Williamstown? You can admit to it. No? A couple people? A couple people? Sorry about that. Some of it, I don't know if it was your choice or not. But back in the day, back in the day, Williamstown and Delsey was a big rivalry until Williamstown grew so big that it wasn't, Fun, fun anymore for Delcy. It was fun when Delcy was winning, but not so fun anymore. Anyway, we would go to all the games, home or away and everything. Still, if you asked my son, I'm going to need a tissue because I have a sneeze coming on if anybody has one. Hey, we're live. unedited here. So that's just what happens. Human sneeze, whether they're preaching or not. So anyway, Joseph and I would go to all the games. He's 28 years old. If you were to call him now and ask him, what is the worst hot dog you've ever had in your life? He would tell you Deptford football game. <laughs> it's true. We went to a Deptford game and we grabbed a hot dog. It was the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. I mean, I've never had fake meat, so I don't know if that's true or not, but this hot dog was horrendous. But we would travel all over the place. We just loved Delsey football. Uh, we didn't know the people personally, but we, you know, we watched closely. And so one time we were in the, the finals, the championship, and it was December 8th of 2002. And it snowed that weekend. And so the game was supposed to be on Saturday and they moved it to Sunday. Well, Sunday is tough for a preacher. 
And so you all didn't know it, but I just preached a devotional and left. No, I didn't do that. We had full service. Game wasn't until 1 o'clock. Okay. So we got done with church, left, went home, changed, and, and went. We're driving to the game, and Joe says, you think we're going to win? And I said, oh, yeah, we're going to win. Okay, we get there and we lose. We're walking back to the car. My son, who was eight or nine at the time, looks up at me and says, you lied to me. <laughs> That's pretty heavy when your son says, you lied to me. I said, buddy, what are you talking about? He said, you were going to win. Or we were going to win, and we lost. He was so mad, angry. Joe's very easygoing, except when he's driving and watching sports. Uh, he turns into a different person. But even back then, he was angry. You lied to me. Because what I was doing was wishing, but I had no assurance. When I talk about Jesus, I have assurance. And that brings me joy. Because I know Jesus has won, therefore we will win for all eternity. And so when this world's going crazy, I rejoice in the confident hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Point number two. Be patient in trouble. I typed it felt bad to type. I've spoken it. Blech. That word patient is tough. Not a strength of mine. But I'm going to tell you a better meaning to patience than just waiting in line at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and you go like the one in Cumberland there and you go and you kind of work your way around. And usually it's almost to the door depending on the time of day. And you get up and the person in front of you wants to order a hamburger. That's when I lose my patience. They have chicken. That's why it's called Chick-fil-A. Okay. Anyway, okay, that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's a, a, a side note. It's a side note. I know why they do it, and I honor them for that, but wouldn't it be nice some Sunday after church just to be able to go to Chick-fil-A? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. But this patience here, i got to get back on track. This patience here is the idea of endurance. It's endurance, that I'm going to be patient, I'm going to wait, I'm going to endure until it's God's time. See? So what do we do in this broken world? How do we make sense in a senseless world? First of all, we rejoice in our confident hope. Second of all, we're patient in times of trouble. And we say trials, troubles, and tears. Because whether you're a believer or not, you will face trials, troubles, and tears. That's life. We live in a broken world. But this idea of patience in the midst of troubles is not just a passive resignation. I'm just going to, oh, life is so hard. It's so difficult. And See, this type of patient endurance is not about whining. It's about winning. And because Jesus has won, I can endure whatever I'm facing, because ultimately I'm going to win with him. Do you see how everything points to him and the future? Because if you only look to now, you are going to be depressed. And if you're only looking towards the, the future of your life on earth, it is going to be difficult. But that's where we don't look to the future of our life on earth. 
Instead, we look to the future of our eternal life in heaven. And that's what changes our perspective. This idea of enduring means never giving up. Maya Angelou says this, we may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. It's awesome. The great theologian, maybe you've heard of him, Rocky Balboa. He says this, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Good word from our brother, Rocky Balboa. In a senseless world, we have to determine that we're never going to give up. Patient, enduring. Why? Because we have a hope in heaven. Do you see it? See how it all ties together? We patiently endure in a broken world because we have a hope in heaven. And lastly, number three, we keep on praying. We never stop praying. Now, you have to catch this next statement. Catch it. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances but it always changes us. That's why people get frustrated. They get, they, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, probably something did in a realm that you don't understand. Not going to get into the theology of prayer. But the basis of it is prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but it always changes us. And the problem is we think of prayer for results when in actuality we should think of prayer as relationship relationship with God, the ability to talk to him, to express our heart, to express our fears, to express our discouragement to a God that loves us no matter what. See, prayer is about relationship, not results. And sometimes there are results, and I thank God for that, but sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. But don't stop praying because you haven't seen the answer yet, because what you've made prayer is about reward and result. Well, I'm only going to pray. And here's what it, here's what it said. Here, here, here's behind all of the other baloney is I'm only going to pray if I get what I want. Right? If you're going to stop praying because you didn't get what you want, then you're, oh. Then we become nothing more than a spoiled child. But if we're going to keep praying because we desire relationship with Jesus, then nothing is going to stop us from praying whether he answers that prayer immediately or he says no to that prayer. Because prayer isn't about results only. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So watch. We keep praying. It doesn't always change our circumstances, but it always changes us. And guess how this works? See how it all ties together? When we keep praying, we have more joy because we understand this confident hope we have in Jesus. When we keep praying, we can patiently endure the trials, troubles, and tears. You see how it all works together? We never stop praying. one, One commentary put it this way, to persist obstinately, stubbornly, I am not going to stop praying because I desire a relationship with Jesus Christ more than anything else. Through prayer, through his word. Prayer should be a constant in the Christian life. Watch. We know Paul said to the Thessalonians, pray without what? 
What does that mean? Just have the mindset of prayer. Now, I'm not very spiritual. Most of you that know me know that. But I did wake up this morning saying this simple prayer, God, touch someone's heart today. That's all I ask. Just touch someone's heart. That's all. I didn't pray for an hour, you know, before I got to church. I'm not against that. I just didn't. Every prayer goal I've ever set, I've failed at. Every Bible reading goal, not every, but most Bible reading goals, I've failed at. Because I made it about the goal when the goal was actually him. See, I I had the wrong goal in mind. I found my prayer life getting simpler, not more complicated. I've found my Bible reading time simpler now, not more complicated. I have to get through 10 chapters today. Now, God, just just speak one word to me that I need today. Just just reveal your mercies today that I need today because I know you're faithful. You're going to help me through. Pray without ceasing, is a, it's a mindset. It's unwavering. Paul wrote, Paul wrote this. Well, then what shall I do? This is in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll also sing in words I understand. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the subsequent, subsequent, subsequent sorry, work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into our life at salvation. But there's another work of the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Acts. That after they were saved, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in languages they hadn't learned. Okay? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. If we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus, then we have another prayer language that goes beyond just words we can understand. Romans 8 relates it this way. With the Holy Spirit intercedes through us with groanings and utterings that we don't understand. That's praying in the Spirit. Paul, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians says, and though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, meaning uh, words we don't always understand, that's praying in the Spirit. God works through that. We have communion with him. In fact, chapter 14 says that when we pray in the Spirit, we're edified. But I speak to you today not speaking in a language you don't know because that wouldn't edify the body. I speak to you in a language you understand so that we can all be built up. But sometimes I just need alone time with God, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit. Jude 20 says this, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. How about this thought? Maybe you've had it. Lord, I don't even know what to pray. In chapter 12. That's funny. That's funny. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 12. But that's what it means when I don't know what to pray. Lord, give me the words. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, it's a subtle reminder that I need to wrap things up. I was uh, preparing this sermon, and I prepared it early this week, which I usually don't like to do, and because I like to have it fresh, and I like it to be sharp, and I like it to be right, just right there. Now, I don't do it on Sunday morning or even on Saturday nights, maybe on a rare, rare occasion, depending on the week. 
Uh, I like to start at 12.30 on Sunday morning thinking about the next week, and then when I get back in the office on Tuesday, I begin the sermon prep anyway. With the holiday and everything, I didn't want the pressure, and so I finished it up early. Um, but it came out all right. I was, I was pleased with this. Um, but as I'm preparing on Wednesday, I'm listening to Spotify, and this song came on as I was preparing this message, actually as I was getting ready to conclude the message, and it's called Blessings by Laura Story. You know that? Powerful. Now, I'm not going to sing it, and we're not going to play it, but I'm going to read the words to you, and I want you to just stop everything else. Just, just take in the words of this song in light of the message that you've just heard, and it goes like this. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while, you hear each spoken word. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Sometimes what we're asking for is less than what God wants to give us. What if, she asks, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your heat... What if your healing comes through tears? And, and, and what if a, a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? And if what, if what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? I'm going to pause there. I don't know Laura's story. I don't know her story, no pun included. But she's been through some stuff. You don't write words like that without being through some, going through some stuff. She goes on in verse 2. We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you are near. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this, that this is not our home. It's not our home. Because what if, what if your blessings come through raindrops? And, and what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know that you are near? And what if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst that this world can't satisfy? And what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? In a senseless world, we love God and we love others. We hate evil and what it does to those created in God's image. We cling to what is good. We rejoice. We rejoice in our hope that's confident because of Jesus Christ. We patiently endure through trials and we keep on praying, never giving up. And he gives us everything that we need to get through 
this life that can be hard, that can be worrisome, that can be ununderstandable. He gives us all we need because he gives us himself. And when when you've lost everything else and all that you have is him, you realize he is all you will ever need. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.